Welcome to ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers with your host, Peggy Smedley. This is ConExpo ConAg Radio, brought to you by the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. As always, I'm your host, Peggy Smedley. Every six minutes, an underground utility line is damaged because someone didn't call 811 at least two days before digging. So safety is in construction is paramount. You know, contractors need to create a safer job site. Now, that's something we talk about all the time. So today, we're going to talk about the risks, opportunities, resources, and technologies that can help make the job site a little bit of a safer place. And this comes at a great time, too. August 11th is National Safe Digging Day, and that campaign urges workers to dial 811 before you dig. Buried utilities are everywhere, and there are more than two, I should say, 20 million miles of underground utilities in the United States. And that figure, if you think about it, equates to more than one football field's length of buried utilities for every man, woman, and child in the United States. Now, what is so staggering here is that roughly 38.6 million people We'll dig this year, if you can think think about this, without first having underground utility lines marked. Now, that's just amazing to me. And even more, 45% of American homeowners will plan to dig this year, and that said that they would not call 811 beforehand. So this puts everyone at risk. So that's why Dial 811 urges excavators, or anyone for that matter, to dial before a dig. So it makes a big difference. So here to chat with me about this topic today is David Wisneski, who's the Vice President of Utility Commercialization at Vermeer Corporation. He has 29 years of experience in the construction industry, and he has a great resource and actually on everything related to underground utilities. So David, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Peggy. That's quite an introduction. Well, you know what? You have to think about it. When you think about August 11th as the National 811 Day, I think it's so important, and I, I know you know this better than anyone, for excavators to either dial 811 or even submit a request online to have that location of underground utilities and pipelines. So let's talk about that and what you guys are really thinking about when you want everyone to think 811. I just think that's such a great idea. Well, Peggy, first of all, you know, I am representing the manufacturers. I'm, I'm with a manufacturer, a company called Vermeer Corporation, but we are part of this industry. Um, I'm also representing a group uh, called the Distribution Contractors Association. Uh, we're, we're, they're a, a large group of contractors primarily involved in gas distribution placement. Um, there's a big group of associate members like myself that are also members of it. And, and I will tell you that, you know, all of us, See, 811, we see excavation safety as being paramount in the industry. All of us are concerned not only for the safety of the people that operate our equipment, you know, the, the, the contractors in the field, but certainly all of the property owners and other individuals that are near, around, or on job sites. So it's, it's of huge importance to all of us. Well, I recited that number that 38.6 million people will dig this year with without first having underground utility lines marked. That's staggering to me to think that there's so many people that could do that and then cause so much 
trouble. You know, I think about it, but, you know, let's dig, or no pun intended, into the topic a little bit more and help our listeners understand the industry definition of a cross-bore, because I think that's what we're really talking about, right? Well, that that is certainly the perspective that I want to talk from today. Obviously, calling 811 when you're doing any type of excavation is, it's well, it's the law. So it is, it's a mandatory process that we would we would ad- advocate everybody go through. When we're specifically talking about a cross bore, however, that is a that's a specific scenario within underground excavation. Typically, happens in trenchless excavation. And there's a great resource out there called the Cross Bore Safety Association. It's headed by a gentleman named Mark Bruce. They've created an, an official definition for cross bore safety uh, for, for the association. I'd like to give you that definition, and then and then I'll give you kind of my freelance version of what it means. But uh, their definition is that is an intersection of an existing underground utility or underground structure by a second utility resulting in direct contact between the transactions of the utilities that compromises the integrity of either utility or underground structure. Okay, what does that mean? Again, I, I said that this is typically uh, in trenchless types of applications. So when I say trenchless, the, the big one that comes to the radar screen is called horizontal directional drilling. Horizontal directional drilling is when we u- install a utility from a surface-mounted machine that, that can actually drill into the ground. It can be directionally steered, brought up back to the surface, and you can pull a utility back. So it's a directionally steered method, but a trenchless method. You have an entry location and an exit location. Um, there's also things that we call pneumatic piercing tools in the industry. Um, so those are, uh, they, they essentially look like little missiles that are put underground. They're, they're not really directionally guided. You kind of put them in level and, you, and they take off and you, and you expect them to come out at about the same level and the same plane that you put them in at. Um, but there's also a method called plowing. Um, so that is when we get a, a tractor-type device, a walk-beside or a ride-on tractor, and it has sort of a blade on the back that you can, you can put a utility onto, uh, attach it to the end of the blade, and it, it sort of knifes the blade into the ground. So those are three different types of trenchless technologies that are utilized in installing utilities in the industry, all of which can create what I just talked about, a cross-bore. So in layman's terms, a cross-bore is when you are installing one utility and you inadvertently intersect another utility. It could be a utility line. It could be a vault, uh, some other type of utility space. But it's essentially the intersection of an installed utility with with another utility. And, and there are really two different types of cross-bores when you think about it, Peggy. Number one is a new installation. So a cross-bore could be potentially put in, you know, with any type of new trenchless installation, assuming that, you know, all the best practices we're going to talk about in a little while maybe weren't followed. Um, but a second type of cross-bore is what we call a legacy cross-bore. That is a cross-bore that has, is in existence. Uh, it's been put in in the past, and it's essentially sitting out there in a, in a really precarious state because it could be intersected or, or I'll call it, uh, in, in, interfered with at any point in time. So when we're looking at this and we're really thinking about this, David, I think the industry's concern regarding crossbores today is exactly what happens. You know, we're talking about safety. We're talking about environmental concerns. And I think the big point you're making here is how much education and training and what installers and 
regulators and inspectors, and we're putting them all together so we're all on the same plane when we're talking about what we're doing in a construction area, right? I mean, that's what the big thing you're mentioning here with these cross-borders, because ultimately we're talking about we can have major issues at a construction site or even at, at somebody's home if we're not doing things properly, right? I mean, that's ultimately what you're addressing. Well, ultimately, it's, it, it is a matter of uh, life or death, quite frankly. So let me uh, let me give a little background, all right? Again, when I talk about a cross-bore, it could be a cross-bore of any type of utility. We can have a, a uh, an installer of a telecommunications fiber intersect an electrical conduit. That is dangerous in and of itself because any time, obviously, you intersect uh, something electrical, you could have you have the, the the chance for an electrical or an electrocu- electrocution, right? So that that is dangerous in and of itself. Um, the big the big cross board scenario that is typically on the radar screens and talked about the most, however, is when a a gas utility primarily intersects either a sewer main or a sewer lateral. And the reason that those are so hazardous to to anybody is that if you can if you can imagine a a gas line intersecting a sewer lateral, it can go undetected. This would be could potentially be a, a legacy uh, cross bore, like I talked about earlier. It could sit and go undetected for years, until at some point in time the property owner uh, maybe has a sewer backup and they call their local plumber to come out. Or maybe they go to the to the hardware store, to the rental store, and they get their own rotor router, and they decide they're going to try to clear out the, the, the sewer line or the sewer lateral themselves. And in, in the process of cleaning that sewer lateral out, they happen to nick that gas line that had intersected it potentially years earlier. Well, that gas is then going to take the path of least resistance, which could, quite frankly, be into the home. So now you've got the entrance of gas into the home, and if undetected, it can it can create an explosion. So that's that's the biggest type of cross board, the biggest issue that we we talk about today, certainly in the gas industry. And you know the the the, the um, we'll say the the introduction of this, or when it first became a big big issue in the in the industry, really kind of dates back to almost 1976 when. The National Transportation Safety Board sent out an alarm because of an incident that had occurred up in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin. And since then, there's been a lot of activity in the industry, whether it be through contractors, whether it be through utilities themselves, or even I'm even talking about the rental companies that I I had mentioned earlier. Very early on, there was a gentleman named Mike Kemper. He's still an active member of the industry. He's with a company called Qantas Services. He was with a company called Northern Pipeline at the time. They actually had had an incident. Um, with a cross bore and, and he and his team put a tremendous amount of effort into starting to educate people about what a cross bore is and the, the types of best practices that should be put in place to, to uh, eliminate or mitigate those in the future. And from that point in time, um, you know, cross bore, the cross bore issue has just continued to be elevated throughout the industry. When we talk about how big of an issue this is, you can do a lot of different research and you'll, you'll see different numbers or quantities of cross bores cited, you know, a good a good piece of information that comes off of again the Cross Bore Safety Association's website talks about the fact that there's been a, a number of different projects to try to understand how many are out there and, and one of the how many of the cross bores are out there. And one of the one of the stats they come back with is that they estimate in high risk areas that uh, there could be as many as two to three of these per mile in sewer main lines. 
So I'm not sure if that included the sewer laterals or not, but there's the high potential that if you included sewer laterals uh, in that, the numbers might even go up. So, so the issue is big, the knowledge is big, and the big, the, 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 you know, probably our best opportunity for, con, for the, uh, the mitigation of this and for the safety of people in the future is to, is to continue to educate on 811. I'm with you to hear that there'll be 36 million different uh, digs this year. I think it was the step, statistic you had thrown out. Uh, for people that will dig without calling 811 first, uh, it, it's, it's difficult to understand with the amount of advertisement that 811 has tried to, to put out into, you know, the general population audience. And, you know, David, that's interesting because you mentioned the NTSB and that incident in 1976 was, is an one you brought up because that explosion, if I'm not, if I'm correct, you know, resulted in two deaths, four injuries. And I think what happened from that is now we really have some very interesting practices and technologies to date that are a result of that. And you hate to think that somebody died or there were injuries from that that resulted from that. But let's talk about that because I think you made some really interesting points because I think we want to educate the industry regarding these crossbores about what you need to do. And I know when we talk about like A11, they want you to, you know, put in your phone number and you call and you put your address in, including the, the county. You know, I think there are things, if I have this right, you know, you have to talk about the property inside and out city limits. Is the property a, a subdivision? You know, the cross street name, the nearest intersecting street, the exact area and location, you know, is the project, you know, all these things that people have to do. But let's really talk about what contractors really need to be thinking about, the excavators. What kind of things are they doing right now? Because there's really a lot of great technology. There's a lot of things that the industry is doing to really make sure they're getting smarter. They're using the right things when they're marking and doing things so that the homeowner, other people around them, are doing things to be safe. What are those things that we're doing as an industry right now that makes a big difference? So uh, that is a that is a large topic, and I'll try to bite it off in chunks for you. Um, let's talk about awareness first, okay? Um, so the Distribution Contractors Association, the the, the association I had talked about earlier, uh, has been extremely active with this issue of crossbores. Um, they have uh, some subcommittees within the Distribution Contractors Association and HDD, which is Horizontal Directional Drilling, a committee dedicated to just the, uh, the issues surrounding horizontal directional drilling. There's a safety um, uh, subcommittee. There's a government relations subcommittee, and, and actually I sit as co-chair of the, the government relations committee. And one of the things that we did a number of years back is created a position paper. We really felt like this was such a big, big issue that we wanted to make sure the DCA went on record with the position issue of uh, position, um, and and it has four main points to it. The first one is that it's a, it's an acknowledgement of the fact that cross bores remain a big problem to the gas distribution industry. We don't want to ignore it. We want it to be very visible because again we believe that communication, conversation, and education on this issue are the primary. They'll be the primary mitigators of, of future cross bores. Um, we recognize also in this position paper that, that contractors themselves are probably in one of the best positions to identify and mitigate the likelihood of a crossbore being created, um, you know, and that we ask that, you know, if, if that become the case, quite frankly, that there, there would be in the scope of work a line item or some compensation for them doing that. Because quite often one of the difficulties with uh, with the crossbore situation, as soon as, especially as it is related to 
sewers and sewer laterals, Peggy, is that, um, you know, with the 811 system, all, I, I should say most, of the owners of different utilities are members. It's required to be a member of the 811 system. So if I'm putting in an electrical line, if I'm putting in a, a telecommunication line, I'm required to provide documentation on where that went in to the 811 system so that those folks, when they get the call, they have an idea of where that product is in the, in the field when they go out to start looking for it. Um, the unfortunate thing is that municipalities, in many, many cases, are exempt from that. So what that means is that a contractor may go out to a job site and, uh, you know, all of the utilities except for the primary culprit of the, this, this cross-board scenario we're talking about, the gas, or excuse me, the sewer lateral, all of them will be potentially marked except for that one. And, you know, the, the, the uh, municipalities will take responsibility for that, uh, that sewer main. It's in there right away. But as the lateral branches off to the house, it becomes a bit of a no man's land because um, the, the jurisdiction is, is kind of passed off to the property owner. And I would ask you, if do you know where your sewer lateral is? Would you be able to identify or mark that? And I would guess the question is probably no. So one of the things we try to do in this position paper is, is say that, you know, consistent with all the, the, the common ground alliances, best practices, that those who generate or generate a revenue or derive a revenue from, a util, from the utility or the service going to the house probably should be the ones that uh, are responsible for ultimately marking that. So I guess because, what you get, David, you get a lot of complaining, right, because you're complaining that sewers were not located, right? I mean, it becomes a challenge, correct? I mean, that's what you're saying. It, it, absolutely. Uh, it, it, you know, it's like the old, I'm an older gentleman now, and when I was going through programming classes, you know, it was the garbage in, garbage out scenario. And if you don't have good information to begin with, it's very, very difficult to perform your job. And that's that's the position that contractors are left in quite often. Well, they were so, not you know, seen and it wasn't visible for those being installed. I mean, that's what you're describing for everybody involved here. Uh, you know, that's correct. So... So what happens, the, 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 the result of that is, is that, um, you know, taking another chunk of this, what are, what's being done in the industry, both the utilities who are subject to a lot of different regulation, they've created their, have to create, have, have had to and have created a lot of their own internal programs regarding cross bores. A lot of that, uh, you know, related to, uh, uh, damage uh, intervention maintenance programs. Uh, I think that's the right terminology. I'm sorry, but it's called the DIMP program. Uh, they have their own internal programs that are uh, that are uh, set up to require them to put in processes and procedures around a lot of different safety aspects, but certainly cross bores. Contractors themselves, in many cases, have created their own internal processes and procedures to avoid uh, creating a cross bore. And in, in, in many cases, or in, in nearly all cases, I guess I would say that you know they're they're requiring their 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 crews that use trenches technologies to pothole before they. First of all, to locate a sewer lateral. So let's just say a contractor goes out to the job site and it's not been located. In many cases, those contractors have internally said, we're not going to bore, we're not going to trenchlessly install anything unless we actually physically see the pipe. And once they do, do once, or locate the pipe, once they do locate it, they'll do something called potholing where they'll come out with a, a vacuum excavation machine and they will literally dig down to the pipe and below the pipe so that they can see when their trenchless method of installation has gone past that utility and come back and they know that they haven't, you know, they have not interfered with that, that sewer lateral at all. So, so there's, there's, there's been a lot of 
through the years, a lot of internal procedures put together, whether it's through formal regulation or just through internal policy, a lot of things are being done today to, to try to mitigate this issue. So as we look at this going forward, and I, and I think what we say is we've got to kind of look at where is the industry headed, and we have to kind of say how is the industry going to help itself. So I guess the question I ask for you is are we in the right direction now? Is the industry saying that we've provided enough general awareness reg- regarding the cross-bore I- issues to help prevent cross-bores in the future? Are you confident, or is there still so much more education that has to be done? You know, Peggy, this is one person's opinion, mine, but I would say, you know, like in most things, you can never say you're done. It's never, this is not an accomplished mission. This is going to be a continual process. Uh, you know, you just talked about 36 million people who are going to dig without calling 811. That in and of itself should be a big, big concern to everybody. But, uh, I believe that, you know, as we look at the, the basic things that are, that, that, that uh, you know, we, we talk about best demonstrated practices, uh, for whether you're a contractor or you're a utility, things like calling 811 prior to, to excavating, understanding what the Common Ground Alliance's best practices are for uh, excavation, um, you know, creating good GIS maps based upon GPS locations, capturing all that information in archived maps. Um, so that it can be transferred, whether it's to the one-call system or the utility themselves, or maybe even contractors are capturing that information and holding on to it, having good information for future generations that may dig. All of this is just a continuing process, and we will never be done. They'll, you know, they'll be con- constantly, there'll be people exiting this business, this industry, and entering this industry. So we need to keep that communication at the forefront. And I don't think anybody, Peggy, would ever say that we've, we've accomplished that mission. So you pointed out two really critical things there that I just heard you say. One is using technology, like graphical information systems, mapping, the kind of things that we need technology. So let's talk about that. We really need to use current advanced technology. Are we using enough of it to leverage this to where the utility lines are? Are we actually using that information? And number two, so we could go into that, it's passing that generational information on, contractor to contractor, the one generation to the next, you know, our new millennials, you know, we have this generation gap that's going on. Are we sharing that information with the next generation of excavators coming on to say, we know this? Are we doing that? Are we Are we doing the right things right now? So again, I think Peggy, I would I would consider this to be a continual process, right? Where where we're getting better and better at it all of the time, and uh, you know, in terms of technologies, there are a lot of great things that are out there today. There probably isn't the um, the golden or the silver bullet, excuse me, that uh, you know, solution that that you might be looking for. But let's just talk about a couple of different things that could be used or are being used in the field today. So, you know, one is you just mentioned it. So GIS, uh, geographic information systems, um, and, and utilizing GPS as a, as a, a means of locating those, those points. There's a lot of different mapping systems out there today. We provide a mapping system that's been developed, you know, around the gas industry. Uh, a lot of others out there are doing it. And, and, and we're start, so we're starting to create this larger, uh, GIS system out there, which will definitely be beneficial in the future. Um, so, so that in and of itself has been a great, great uh, start. There's uh, things as simple as putting in tracer wires with, with sewers. So, 
You know, when you, when you put in a sewer lateral or you install a sewer main, lining it with the tracer wire so that it is locatable uh, in the future is a great practice that, uh, you know, quite frankly, I can't tell you that it's being done everywhere today, but, but it should be. It's a, it's a tremendous practice, and it helps us better locate where those, uh, those difficult-to-locate sewer laterals or mains are. Um, there's, uh, you know, there's the use of, and this has been a, a, a kind of a, a bit of a newer technology, but it's being used very heavily both in new installations and in the legacy program um, scenario, and that is the use of uh, closed-circuit TV cameras. So uh, there's been a lot of investment out there in these closed-circuit TV cameras, which essentially it's a, it's a robotic camera that can be launched down a sewer main and as it's as it's traveling down the sewer main, it's it's it's, it's fo- photographing or videoing the inside of the pipe. And then when it gets to a sewer lateral that that launches off to the house, it actually has a launch vehicle that can go up that lateral and video that as well. And so in in the legacy bore scenario, where you know we're looking for existing legacy bores, this is obviously a great technique for going into sewers. And, and trying to determine where maybe a crossbore has occurred so we can go in and repair that. Um, but then in many cases with utilities, they've begun to require that a contractor actually do a pre and a post camera of the installation um, uh, as it occurs. So, so a, a contractor prior to putting in a, a, a gas main or a gas service to the house would go in and camera those lines, and then after they've inserted the utility, they'll go and camera it again, just as kind of proof positive that there's been no intersection between those utilities. Um, so that's been great, and even an advancement above and beyond that that's being used in a, in a couple of areas, because you, you have to have a pretty specific ground condition for this next scenario to work, but... Um, if you can imagine boring in a very in a con- ground condition where you, you do not need to use any fluids, so you can you can bore a dry hole, um, they're actually pulling cameras back through that dry hole before they insert the the utility conduit uh, to show that there hasn't been an intersection. So so they're showing almost live, kind of real time that uh, that they haven't intersected the util the, the sewer utility in the uh, in the actual grounds, kind of in situ. Um, there are other technologies out there like ground penetrating radar that work in some conditions and some conditions they don't use or they don't work very well. It's just not compatible. There's uh, acoustic technologies that have been utilized. There's tracking devices. You know, you can actually flush a tracking device down a toilet and try to track it down the sewer lateral. So there's a lot of different technologies that have been and, and, are, and are being deployed today, uh, all in the matter of trying to make this a more and more safe environment. Well, David, we've enjoyed our conversation today. I want to thank you for spending so much time with us. Thank you, Peggy. Appreciate the time. All right. So, listeners, you know that we just had some great time with David Wisniewski. He's the Vice President of Utility Commercialization uh, commercialization at Vermeer Corporation. And what's great is this was such a great candid interview that's brought to you by the National Excavator Initiative, which is August 11th or National 811 Day. 811 Day. So, remember, National 811 Day 
811 Day is a reminder to contact 811 to have your underground infrastructure marked before starting projects that involve digging. And always remember to wait the required time to have your lines marked and dig with care. You know, knowing the location of that underground utilities and pipelines before starting excavation projects at home or on the job site. You just learned all the reasons why. And this will help protect yourself, your business, and your community. Make an impact and help prevent damage. So as always, visit AEM at www.aem.org or visit www.conexpo.conag.com to read the latest content that we have. And we're always putting up great content. So we hope you'll sign up for the 365 newsletter. And thank you for tuning in to ConExpo ConAg Radio, which is brought to you by the Association of equipment manufacturers. Again, thanks for listening.